welcome to Season 2, Episode 23 of Game Dev with a Shot of Jameson. My name is Jameson Doral, and I'm a game designer with over 20 years of experience, and I like to help people learn more about video game development. Today we're joined again by Dallas Lilly, Incubation Engineer at Probably Monsters. We talk about crunch culture and some issues that he's already faced in the industry, how changing jobs is a great way to get promoted, and then he had some interesting questions for me to answer at the end. Don't forget you can join the conversation live every Wednesday at 7 p.m. Eastern over at twitch.tv forward slash Jameson Doral. There's a link in the show notes if you want to come get your questions answered live next time. But for now, let's get this episode started. Yeah, uh, you ready to get started? Yeah, absolutely. I, best I remember, last place we got to was right around the time you started at Treyarch. Like, we talked about a lot of things, <laughs> but uh, my notes at least say we got to around the time you started. I don't think we talked much about it. Yeah, yeah, no, we did just get right to the beginning. I had received an offer. We talked a bit about I tried to uh, negotiate my offer, which didn't go well. And then uh, I still accepted it. I still, they didn't, they originally rescinded it and then gave it back to me. And I Wait, had the offer. Why did they rescind it? I, I don't remember oh, that. Because I said, like, I would prefer to start in March after uh, the project that I was working on finished. Uh. Um, and they kind of took that as like, I had to start then and I couldn't start in January. And, I, and so they were like, ah, well, if you can't start, then we'll just take it back. Oh, that's uh, right. I was like, that's wait, right. wait, 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 no, 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 no. <laughs> I can start. I just would prefer, you know? Yeah. Okay. That's right. That's right. And so, so you, you got, you got the offer back and you have now moved and this is, they're in LA, right? Yeah, I had just moved out to uh, L.A. specifically for them from Florida. Right. And so tell me about what it was like starting there, because you literally, you know, one of the biggest games in the world you're going to work on. You come in fresh out of school, essentially. What what was that like? Yeah, it was it was really. It was everything I wanted it to be and expected it to be for the very beginning like maybe the first i don't maybe just the first day almost uh and then after some of that like you know first day kind of stuff that you have to do all the onboarding and everything um and i started working on some stuff it quickly just was like oh okay it's a job right <laughs> i'm doing i'm doing job things like it's cool i'm enjoying it it's fun but uh after that like first like day walking in and seeing all the like awards on the walls and all the they had like a bunch of um like zombie uh i don't know it's it was almost like a like a theater set uh, like along the walls of like blood and right. you know different construction stuff all all along the uh, the hallways and stuff, which was really cool and everything. So like walking to my desk th that first week was really interesting. Uh, but then you you sit down uh, at a desk, look at a computer <laughs> for the next you know eight hours, possibly more. I think I was working more just because I was really excited about my job and I was like I. I could go home and play games and stuff, but I'd rather just be at work and do more things at work. So I was like doing 10 hours or something like that, just because I was that excited. It was yeah. so fun and so cool. That That's actually an example of whenever I tell people that sometimes crunch is okay, right? Like there are times where 
you want to make something better. You want to put the extra effort in to, to, to get to something that you couldn't get to those kind of things. And if that's a personal decision, you want to do that. I'm totally cool with that. Right. And but it's like, it's not always just about number of hours, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It, it's a balance of like, how are you feeling doing the stuff that you're doing? And if you yeah. feel productive and you're, and you're having a good time and you're not, you know, your health isn't at risk, then like, yeah, you're probably all right as yeah. it is. Yeah. I say that cautiously because I'm a big advocate for not crunching. Right. But <laughs> you know, it's something that I, I think it's okay in that, in that circumstance sometimes. So, yeah, I think most people are bad about knowing when they're in that position too, which is yeah. the hard part about it. Uh, I think even, even myself, I'm, I'm pretty bad at knowing when I'm putting in too much just because I get so excited and into things. And uh, I think people are that way when they play games too. You know, you've played, you've had days where you've played a game for like 10 hours straight and then you're like, wow, I didn't eat. I've been <laughs> sitting down all day. I don't feel good. Right. <laughs> but this is only like after the fact, right? It's true. And, and you know, in the workplace, that's why the only way this is ever going to work the right way is when everyone's on the same page about expectations for each other. And, you know, coming up through my career, there was always things like, Oh, you know, you can, you can deal with this, you know, after, you know, after the weekend or, you know, that those kind of things where it was like those gentle nudges to kind of hang around and, and do a little bit more instead of, you know, be, you know, being careful about what you're trying to do and, you know, making sure that you're taking care of yourself. Right. Right. Absolutely. So what was your, your first kind of week like? And because, you know, when you, when you come to a new company, there's already, you know, the things you got to learn about what's my day-to-day -day like, but also you're coming on to a whole new project and, you know, you're, you're coming into an entirely new industry, right? So that had to be a bit overwhelming in some ways. Yeah, yeah, it was, I think the, the most overwhelming thing at the beginning uh, was, it's a little silly, everyone was really tall. Which tall? I didn't. Yeah, they were really tall. Like most of the people that I had met, I hadn't I had met them first through uh, virtual calls because I was in Florida when I did all of my interviews and I didn't get flown out for anything. So like that first like week I was meeting all of the people I interviewed with and they're all like six five. And I'm pretty tall myself. I'm six three, but like everyone there was six five and it oh, just wow. kind of felt like, wow, I'm really among giants, you know? <laughs> Literally and figuratively, right? So. Yeah. Yeah. That's as really for, like, interesting. Yeah. As the as the work that I was doing, um I started as a tools engineer and specifically they wanted me as um a test and automation engineer. So I was supposed to um, write automated tests that the developers could run on the features that they're working on, uh, or, or they would run automatically during uh, anytime someone checks in a change to the repository, and that would um, it would test for uh, certain feature work, like oh, does the is the character uh, throwing a grenade and actually doing damage with the grenade, and when they use their ability, does that act the ability actually fire and do all that sorts of stuff? Um, so that's like my beginning set of stuff that I was doing, um, which was not the most, it was, it, it's kind of an interesting set of stuff to work on and that like, it's a, it's really good to get familiar with the game fast. Uh, and like, cause I have to test all the features of the game. So I have to find out 
what are all the features of the game, right? Yeah. Uh, so that was a really fun, like, first task that they had me do that very first week. Um, and for the next, like, two-ish months or, yeah, about two months after that, that's, like, what my focus was. Yeah, that, that's a that's a really nice way to kind of understand the breadth of the game. So did you have, like, um, a buddy? Or, like, how, how did you... How did you ask for help? You know, that's always something I'm curious about when someone starts somewhere. Right. So I was really fortunate. Um, I I started on a team that was super small. Um, the tools and automation team itself is kind of like sequestered from most of the other uh, departments uh, in that, like, I don't have to work with design or most of even the rest of engineering and stuff is like I could have just been in a silo doing my own stuff for most of the time. But I was lucky in that there was a... So I started as an associate engineer, and then the next level up above that is a senior associate engineer at Treyarch. Um, that's uh, below mid. And there was a senior associate engineer who had been an intern, I think, two years before I had started. Um, so he was like kind of in a position where he had a good idea of all of the um, inner workings of the stuff that I was working on. But then I also had another person. Um, his name is Yuan. He started... I think two weeks before me in mm. the exact same position. Uh, so we could like kind of converse back and forth of like, Hey, I just found this cool thing and this is how you do this thing. And, you know, we were just going back and forth sharing that kind of information, which was really helpful at the beginning of my uh, time. That's really cool. And which project were you on? Uh, so this was uh, Call of Duty Black Ops 4. Okay. This was actually the uh, year leading up to the release of that. So 2018. Okay. And so you're there for the, like the last year of development. That's what you're saying? Yep. yep. That's a, in my opinion, that is the best time to join a project when you're early in your career. Um, because like it's it's where really most of things are happening, right? Like And, and everything that you're doing is almost certainly going into the game. Yeah, yeah. And even at Treyarch, like they have this kind of thing where they're they we often say that the game doesn't actually get developed until that last year. Right. Yeah, like we could have 10 <laughs> years to develop the game, but we wouldn't actually start making it until that last year. Yeah, <laughs> it's pretty common, you know, because we we start off early with big hopes. Right. And a big plan. And then along the way, it usually starts to, to slim down a bit and some assumptions we made didn't didn't pan out. And, you know, so it's like it ends up being like right at that last year. We're like, all right, we know what we're making now. We have everybody rolled on from whatever else they were doing. Let's go. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was really a like it's time to get things done kind of moment because I had started and then maybe. uh I think maybe like two ish weeks after I started, um, we were told that Black Ops 4 wasn't going to have a campaign. And then it was like a little bit after that, that we were told that, oh, we're going to be doing uh, Blackout, uh, which was the Battle Royale mode that we did for that game because, you know, Fortnite, this was like at the height of Fortnite yeah. and PUBG, you know, right when that was all coming out. Uh, so it was like, yeah, we are really we're really pushing to get all of that in this, this past year, this last year, man. So, wow. That's, that's interesting. So, uh, is that project, do you have multiple studios working on it or was it like outsourcing to various places to support development? 
It's kind of both. Okay. Um, so for Black Ops 4 specifically, it's it's headed by Treyarch. Um, but then we have a couple other Activision companies that do other things. So for example, um, I think this was I think this is the first project that Demonware, um, or not Demonware, Binox was heading up the uh, PC version of the game. Binox is a company in, well, I think they're in Quebec, one of those one of those Canadian cities that mm. have a lot of uh, game development companies. But yeah, they they were doing the PC port of the game, and then of course we've got Demonware, who I don't I think is an Activision company, and they do a lot of the like uh, back end server stuff. And then we've got tons of outsourcing companies that help with different aspects of the game. Uh, often art is a big one. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And about how big was Treyarch, uh, people-wise? Treyarch is, I think, around 250 as, like, just Treyarch employees. I'm always curious about that. I don't know if that... I don't know if that counts me because i specifically started as um a a contractor Uh, as a i was under volt technically even though i was working for treyarch in the building that treyarch's at and doing all the treyarch things my paycheck came from volt interesting okay i didn't realize that so so then you got your did you do all of the interviewing and stuff through volt or was that through treyarch it was through treyarch it was just like uh, it was an understanding that this was going to be a contract position and that uh, Vault would be what I was actually employed under. Gotcha. Uh, they do this with a lot of um, their, or at least they did. I, mean, I don't, I think some things have changed and they're not doing it as much anymore, but they used to have a lot of, um, a lot of junior employees come in through Vault first if they didn't come in through the internship program. Interesting. And so what was the, the expectation there? Was it, was it a, like a year contract or like, what was, what were you, what were you signing up for? It was an at will contract indefinitely, Hmm. um, which was not the greatest thing. Uh, (laughs) yeah, it worked out all right. (laughs) So wait, is that, how is that legal? I thought there was like a, a limit on the, on the, the time that that someone could be a contracted employee. I don't know about if what legality there is for any of that. (laughs) I just remember that my contract, like I didn't have to worry about my contract getting renewed or anything. It was basically just like, I'm a contractor. I'm working for Treyarch and it, there's no time on it. And, uh, I eventually, if I want to be a full-time employee, I have to like get, it's all it's it's almost like promoted into being a full-time employee there gotcha and so did you have the same like title and stuff as someone who was a a regular employee at that time like job title i did have the same title yes i was still associate engineer uh at treyarch which is the the most junior engineer there that's really interesting uh We'll probably talk more about that as we go along here. I don't want to jump to the end, but but I, I will be curious, like if there was any kind of transitioning out of that in your time there, things like that. But we can we can get to that. How, how yeah, long yeah. how long were you there overall? I was at Treyarch for just about three and a half years. Oh, wow. So from the beginning of 2018 to um, October of 2021. Gotcha. And did another thing I'm curious about in this case in the credits of the game, did your name, how did your name show up? 
Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, I Trek was good about it. They had me just in. Um, they have just like a engineering section, and uh -huh. then they put all of the engineers there. Nice. Uh, and my name was there, Dallas Lily. That's great. That's 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 what you want to see, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> It's like it, it has definitely gone other ways. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, Trek was pretty good about that. I really appreciated it, especially because even when the game did ship, I was still a contractor because I was a contractor for about a year and a half. Okay, gotcha. Very cool. So, so you, all right. So you got that last year there. The game ships. Tell tell me what closing out your first game was like. Just like what? How were how were you feeling? What was your you know your, your kind of your general demeanor and and, and workload like? Closing out my first game was one of the most anticlimactic things that I had hyped up for myself. <laughs> yeah, that that's interesting. Uh, tell us more. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, a little context here. Um, in March, I had planned a trip. Um, with my girlfriend, we'd actually planned it when I was still in Florida and I thought that I was going to be working uh, in Florida for a while. Cause I just started that job at proactive right. and we'd planned a spring break trip cause she was still in college. Um, and when I went to Treyarch, I wanted to keep that spring break trick. So I told Treyarch, Hey, I've, I had this trip whole plan. We're going to do this thing. Uh, it was just going, it's just like, she's going to come out, see me for the week, uh, since we're long distance mm -hmm. and we're going to go to, uh, we were going to go to Disney in Florida, but instead we went to Disney and California, which <laughs> that worked out. Yeah, well. that's nice. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I had gone on that spring break. Um, I had just finished up one of my biggest tasks that I'd worked on. I wrote this cool cinematic automatic cinematic exporter that artists could like press a button and it would tell another machine to automatically run the game and export the cinematic, the in-game cinematic and uh, have it like sent to their desk so that they could look at all the frames and the videos real cool. But then when I came back from spring break, like the day I came back, I was told, Hey, uh, we are having mandated crunch uh, basically until we ship the game uh, about six months from now. Ooh. And I was told I had to work, I think it was around 65 hours a week for the next six months. And how? Did, what did that break down into, like, day by day? Or hours-wise? It, uh, it was about, I think it was 12 hours... Uh, not including the like hour of, you know, the 30 minute lunch break and the 30 minute dinner break. So it was 13 hours actually at the office, um, Monday through Thursday, a normal eight hour day on Friday, and then um, like six hours on Saturday. All right, man. <laughs> yeah, it was, uh, that was probably one of the hardest parts of my life i think uh was just day in and day out doing that for six months uh coming back home to a room a tiny room in my four bedroom apartment with three roommates that i didn't get along with and just having to deal with that was yeah not great i i gained 30 pounds from like just i had i got a bunch of money from working all the overtime and being hourly oh, but that's like good. <laughs> i had no time 
so like I was, you know, ordering takeout every weekend. Uh, work was providing lunch and dinner for us. So during the week, I didn't have to worry about that. But of course, this was also like takeout. So it wasn't very good for my health. Right. Uh, so by the time that the game shipped, I was it was just like a sigh of relief that like it's done. Yeah. I don't have to do that anymore, you know? Yeah, I, I know that very well, actually. Uh, <laughs> I had a similar situation at the second company I worked for, the mandating crunch. The whole we, we had to work on Sundays, too. And so I didn't get a day off for like three oh, months. And it was brutal. awful. It was awful. So I, I, I feel your pain a little bit. And uh, yeah, it was, it, it's, it's a, you know, this is exactly what I was saying I don't want when when it comes right. to crunch right like this is uh, uh the the whole idea of just mandatory hours is is exhausting and it is infuriating to me because it should always be about your workload and what it takes to complete that work right and it, it, when it's just like because when i was doing this at that one job it was uh i just had to be there even if i had nothing to do like like and there were times where i literally couldn't do anything because of you know, there wasn't a test kit around, things like that. And it was just like exhausting and just mentally like mind breaking. Cause you're like, I, I want to be productive. I need to be productive. I'm here. I'm exhausted, but I can't even do anything. Right. Yeah. I, I was in a position, I was on a team where like, we didn't have deadlines. Like we didn't have, you know, milestones that we had hit. Cause I was on the tools team and oh, yeah. our, our tool stuff was mostly like, just support the team however you can. And you know, just do these things, like get it done as fast as you can. Um, but usually our, we didn't have like hard deadlines on anything. It was just when it gets done, it will be helpful for everyone. Mm -hmm. So it was really weird for me too. Like we were, we were crunching mostly as a like solidarity with the rest of the studio, yeah. which I was like, totally like, all right, that's I'm, if you're mandating crunch for them, I'm not mad that you're mandating crutch for me yeah. just because like, I, I get that, but it was like, how do I, it, like, there's never, I'm never going to get through all of this work. Like, it's just going to be there for the, for, you know, thousands of years into the future, there will be more and more tools to create and test to automate and stuff. Like there's nothing I can do about that. And it was, uh, it was really weird for me in that regard. Yeah, and you know, it's it's tr it's also true that games are just that way in general as well. Like we could work on a game forever if if we were allowed, right? Like it's never done. We just ship it, you know. So right. it's it, that the whole idea of just like keep working is like, well, yeah, it's going to get better, but there's diminishing returns overall. And is it really worth it? Research would tell us no. You know that you'd be much more effective as a team if you were really resting and, and utilizing forty to fifty hours instead of you know pushing yourself more towards 60 to 70 right yeah. or hundred sometimes so, been there yeah 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 no i have as well not this project but uh nope i've been there too yeah i think the hardest thing about it for me was like i didn't i didn't feel super bad health wise even though i was like gaining a bunch of weight I was still going to the gym a decent amount and, you know, still doing okay there. Um, my brain was like mostly okay. Yeah. I mean, like I was tired and exhausted most days, but like I was, I was feeling all right. The, the hardest thing for me was like the pile up of all of the other tasks in my life that I need to get done that just 
I had no time for. Like my to-do list for everything that wasn't game development was just piling up, up, yeah. up, up until the game shipped. And then I spent the next like three or four months recovering, trying to get all of that stuff done appropriately. Uh, and I just couldn't do anything else during that time, you know, barely. That, man, that's a really good point. And, you know, I've, I've been lucky that I've in those moments, I've had a partner, you know, that, you know, that was there to, you know, take that burden off it, when you don't have that kind of stuff, it can be super debilitating when it's like, you, you know, life goes on if, even though you're stuck in an office. So there's a lot of those things that it, it's hard to, to figure that out. And then you end up using your rest time to do the things that you need to do on top of what you have to do. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, it gets I think the point where I recognized how bad that was getting was when the studio started offering to do laundry oh. for everyone. Oh, big red flag. <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, in some yeah. in some ways, it's a nice benefit. But man, that's not something you want to hear. It gets announced. <laughs> yep. Yeah. That's when it, that's when you know it, it's bad that people are there's enough people complaining to the it gets to that like it's it's been bad but like at that point like you really got to reconsider what you're doing yeah so what kind of uh what kind of break did you get when the game shipped uh mostly my break was that I didn't have to crunch anymore um I didn't get like any extra rest time or anything like that because i was compensated by being hourly and yeah. so you know i got paid double time and overtime and stuff so the amount of uh extra rest days and stuff i got was pretty much negligible um Ugh. there man that's uh the, i mean getting double time is i assume nice i've never been hourly in the industry all those crunch oh, wow. times i i had to had to just suck it up but it's that's wild. <laughs> yeah, it is wild. And it wasn't fun. But but what are you going to do? Right. Like, especially early in the career, it's like this is the, the hand I've been dealt. Right. Like, I'm, I'm going to push through it and try and figure out how to make it better when I can. Right. Right. I mean, that's what my concept was like. I was like, yeah, it sucks that I'm doing all this crunching, but this is my game job. Like right. <laughs> this is the first time I'm going to be able to ship a game that's going to have my name and the credits. Like, I mean, I'm young. I can get through this. I've, I'm, I'm able to do that. <laughs> that's that's an easy mentality to get into, right? Because you you made it, right? Like you're making games, the thing that you set out to do and have probably dreamed about for a long time. And it's then when looking at it, you know, 2020, you know, hindsight, it's like it was probably taken advantage of, right? Like people know that's the way you feel and they know that you're lucky to be doing this in some ways. And so they you know, they feed off of that and, and, you know, convince you that it's just the way we do things. Yep. Yeah. There was, there was a lot of that, but you know, I, I knew some of that stuff and I, I had this kind of feeling that, you know, it'd been a year. I'd been there for about a year. It was, it was like six, seven, eight months leading up. It was eight months leading up to uh, the ship of the game. And I was like, all right, I've shipped a game. I've got a title that I can put on my resume. Um, maybe I'll start considering doing something else. I'll yeah. start like looking. I'm doing tools right now, which is OK. But I've found out I really don't want to do tools engineering. Um, 
anymore. It's basically just doing software for other game developers. It's not really making games. I couldn't even point to anything in the game that I was like, that's like that because of me. I mean, mm. there's none of that. So I, I was like, I got to get to do some gameplay thing. Uh, so I like started looking at that point and was trying to figure out where I could go if there was anything I could do to like get somewhere else, you know? Yeah, I, and I think the those are both very valid reasons to look around, right? And it's interesting. It had the work situation had you not come out of being so tired and, and worked so hard there, your first talk would have probably been, and maybe it even still was, was hey, what are other opportunities for me here, right? Like I would like to to be a little bit more involved in. Or, or what can I do to move more toward, you know, gameplay programming or something that's more directly into the game itself. Uh, but, you know, also being tired, that's that, that now becomes a, I need to find something different. And while I'm looking for something different, I would love to do this kind of thing. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I've never been a big FPS person. So I was also like, maybe I can find something, you know, maybe I can go do an RPG or, uh, an action game or something and while I'm looking because I'm looking, you know, I might as well take this opportunity just as you said. Yeah. What, uh, what's your favorite genre? What would you work on if you, if it was your dream genre to work in? Oh, that's a, I, that's a hard question because I think that's changed, especially since then. And that my favorite genre is probably, I used to say JRPGs. Like I really like very story driven games with like strategy combat and some aspects but mm -hmm. i think that's not the kind of stuff that i enjoy working on the most yeah um and that i really like working on gameplay stuff and the the gameplay in rpgs jrpgs like specifically isn't it, it, it's a lot of turn-based kind of stuff which is a lot of ui work um and a good amount of underlying system work which i do enjoy um but i kind of like the more like visceral third person first person combat any kind of that kind of stuff or like platformers that's kind of that's kind of my like real gameplay heavy stuff is what i'm interested in that's cool yeah i'm always curious with that because like you my jrpgs and tactical rpgs like final, final fantasy tactics is my favorite game of all time and right. you'd think that's what i would love to work on but i don't want to ruin that for myself right i don't want to peek <laughs> under the under you know behind the curtain of that I want to enjoy those games without always thinking about how I would work on it or make it better, you know? Right, right. You got to keep a, a piece of the cake for yourself, right. you know? <laughs> it's hard to do, especially early in the career. Like, were you, you weren't finding any time for games in your first, at least your first year, right? Yeah, I don't think... I don't think I played like anything. I, and in fact, I had told myself that once I had gone through a big portion of that giant to-do list, um, I would find some game that I've been really interested in playing and like just spend like my winter doing that, uh, yeah. which ended up being um, RuneScape, actually. Oh. Uh, I wanted to play a whole bunch of RuneScape. Interesting. All right. And did, did you like that you, you, you spent a bunch of time on it? I sure did. Nice. <laughs> I I played. I have a friend who's played a bunch of it. Uh, it was basically my first like membership experience because RuneScape, you know, you can you can make a free to play account, which I had done. You know, like my very first MMO was RuneScape when I was like eight years old, and uh, my my avatar, my not my avatar, my handle, my handle, me brother nine comes from my first RuneScape characters. So, like I played a bunch, but I'd never done a membership nice. uh, playthrough, so I played that for 
yeah, a good two or three months solid just like focusing on it. It was nice. It was a good time. <laughs> it's yeah, uh, the only reason I ask if you did is because I often have those those grand idea of right. I'm gonna I'm gonna put all this time into this game and then life happens and then I don't get to do it nearly as much as I wanted. And you know, just you just never know what's gonna come around the corner and take that away from you. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, it wasn't too long before uh other things just like started showing up and i was ready to kind of move on with my life but i did get a chance nice well so you're so at this year you're starting to look around you're you're thinking about what kind of stuff you want to do what what ended up happening did you end up interviewing anywhere talking to any other places actually didn't i don't remember exactly what my decision was but a little bit after i was thinking I want to do something more gameplay related. Um, I want to possibly move away from FPS, um, but for now, I'm just going to keep working until um, my my plan was because this was this was 2019, which was when um, my girlfriend who. I had been together with, I think this was around, yeah, this was about three years at this point. We've been together long distance three years. She was finally graduating. Um, so she was going to come move out to LA mm. and we were going to, um, we were going to live there for a bit until I found something else. Like I had kind of mm. like tried to find some things that were, good but we couldn't exactly like mix me trying to find something and her trying to find something so we went with like her trying to find something in LA first um and then like once we kind of got a little settled there and she had a little bit of time un time under her belt in her career then we would think about all right is there somewhere we can go for both of us that does some that has something for both of us for what we're trying to do um so she graduated that summer and then moved out and that's kind of that period where I was like trying to figure out what I was going to do for that time. Gotcha. What, what industry was she going into? Uh, so she graduated from the car school of mines with a chemical biochemical engineering degree. Oh. <laughs> um, so she's trying to do, she was trying to do chemical engineering stuff. Um, she ended up getting a job as a chemist, which isn't exactly the same thing. Um, but, that's it was like her start, you know, it, you know, can't always get straight into the game industry. So right. you got to get something and then, you know, work your way to to it. She was doing basically the same thing. Nice. And so she found that in L.A. She did. Yeah. Nice. Uh, just uh, just about an hour and a half to two hours away from my job. So we had to like split. And now I had to take the 45 to an hour commute to Treyarch every day, both there and back. Yeah. So that, that was the other thing I was going to ask too, is like you talked about the time you were in office. I was curious about where your commute was on top of that. That's, that sounds rough. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was lucky in that I didn't have to do that long commute during crunch time. Um, because when I lived out there just myself, I was, I specifically chose somewhere that was like 10 minutes away from the office. Um, just so I didn't have to worry about commuting and that helped a lot there. I don't think I would have been able to work out consistently if I had you know, an extra two hours that I had to spend commuting in LA. Yeah. Yeah. That was a mistake I made. I didn't do enough research. And I, I may have mentioned this before, but I was 
working in Santa Monica and I rented a place in Sherman Oaks, which meant like 10 miles or whatever on the Sepulveda pass yeah. that took me two and a half hours. So yeah. it was, it was a nightmare. Yeah, absolutely. I should have rode a bike is what I should have done. I would have gotten there way <laughs> faster. But... <laughs> yeah, that's LA. Y- yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, all right. So you, she's there with you. You're, you're going to stick it out for a bit. What, what did your, your work look like now? What, what project were you going to roll on to? Yeah. So we, we had finished, um, basically most of the team was done supporting black ops four in the, um, live ops production. You know, we, we shipped the game, but there's another, you know, year of content that's put out for it. Um, and, I think most of the team is still working on all of that for probably up until sometime around summer of the next year. The majority of the team still working on that game, doing all the uh, DLC, all the different seasons and stuff that drops. I specifically didn't. I was just doing, you know, the normal stuff that I was always doing. You know, the tools and stuff that I create are mostly. Um, project agnostic um i started working on a bunch of other things that weren't test automation at this time but around uh around the same time that my girlfriend was moving out and starting her job actually i think we this happened like the same week um my manager had approached me and he had told me that um they weren't getting any approval for new positions on the core engine team, which is what the tools team is part of, um, so that I wouldn't be able to be promoted to a full-time employee. Um, He said, like, that wasn't going to happen anytime soon. Mm -hmm. However, there are some heads open on other teams. Specifically, there's a UI team, or there's a head open on the UI team, and then a head open on the technical design team. Uh, Would you be interested in talking to those teams and trying to get into one of those positions? I was like, yeah, sure. I want to no longer be a contractor. I want to finally get promoted. Uh, I want to have an opportunity to work on the game. I don't want to work on tools anymore. Uh, So I talked to the technical design team because from my understanding at the time is they they actually do work in a lot of gameplay areas and they're kind of a mix between designer and engineering and i was interested in that as i've been interested in design as i think most gameplay engineers are kind of have to be is that's part of the job so i was like i'm interested in like what does that mean and what does that entail uh so i talked to the team uh they were small five person six person team i think at the time um and they basically said yeah we like you if you want to join our team then uh feel free we'll hire you full time and you'll get a you'll get a raise you'll be you'll still be the lowest design position which is associate designer uh but you'll be promoted from contractor to full-time employee uh so i did that and i that was a year and a half after being uh starting at treyarch nice that's that's awesome. So one thing I forgot to ask before, did you have benefits and stuff as a contractor or was it just sal- like salary? 
Yeah, so I did actually have benefits. Okay. Um, they were they were relatively decent, I think, too. Um, and ex that's an important point is that it's different for different employees at Treyarch. Other employees like um, I think QA, who are also under Volt, had different um, benefits than I did. But I had some pretty decent benefits uh, for being a contractor. All right, that's cool. But yeah, but that's nice. So now you've got you know, this opportunity to, to do full-time much more game focused. That's awesome. So what, uh, what was like the first thing that you kind of got to dig into? Yeah. Uh, the first task I got was kind of like, uh, uh, get familiar, write some like documentation with some of these, uh, some of the tools and stuff. But once we got past like that, like quick onboarding, um, I went straight into working on basically what I worked on for, the the rest of that project um which was i implemented a lot of the different um equipment and field upgrades for call of duty black ops cold war um so a bunch of like different grenades and you can like deploy like a landmine and stuff like i worked on a whole bunch of that type of stuff nice that's cool it's very very different than than tools programming right <laughs> Well, yeah, it didn't even feel like I was doing much design stuff, to be honest, or like what I had heard tech design was in like a support for designers and like writing tools for designers and stuff. This was just like straight up gameplay engineering implementation yeah. of different gameplay features. And I was like, this is awesome. This yeah. is what I've been wanting to do this whole time. That's great. It's It's still hilarious to me how the same name of a role at different companies can be completely different things. Like when I first went to Volition, the designers like on Saints Row, they didn't like hand implement anything. Like everything was, here's the plan. And now programmer is going to go implement this stuff. And, but they were also very, you know, programming led studio. And then me and then Rusty Simsrock come in there and then, you know, and then starting to develop a tech design team, which now, it was like, hey, look, we can build tools to let designer do things, you know, like it was that that move toward a more traditional style of of development. It's it's just so funny to me how different it can be just because of you know the culture of team. We're just like, this is what how we've always done it. Right, right. Yeah. No, it's and it's a it's a point of contention too at Treyarch. Like there's a, a lot of the engineers want uh, you know, technical designers to basically just become engineers because they're doing a lot of engineering work. Uh, and then, of course, the technical designers are like, no, I like that. I've got some aspect of being half designer and stuff. And then it like that. I wonder, like, how much does that really affect you when you're like trying to go to other places? And if you're looking for technical designers somewhere else, um, like, does that does that really like affect what you're doing there because it's not the same everywhere like i i luckily have not had to deal with that because i i managed to transition away from tech design pretty soon but uh i it's a it's a weird thing to see yeah so how uh, what projects were you doing this on was this the the dlc stuff or did you move on to a new project in this role i joined starting on the new project i was basically right at the beginning when we're ready to uh, i think we were working towards um our green light milestone um that november of 2019 and it was um it was the new project call of duty black ops cold war name was not known at that time of course right um but yeah that's what i was working on and that was for the next uh, year and a half. Yep. Nice. 
So year and a half or year on the first one, a year and a half on the next one. What um while you're you're working on this project, what what was that workflow like for you as far as you know the the pace and because you're talking early in this one. Were you there to the end of the game or or were or did you leave before it was finished? Yeah, so I I was there till the game shipped, and then for the next um, four, uh, the first four of the six uh, seasons that we did post-ship. Um, and it was kind of a weird project because when I started, we were like, okay, we, we know that we've got a three-year cycle um, right. because that's just how Call of Duty does things. Um, the game that's shipping of that year when I started was the, uh, I believe that was... I don't remember. Yeah, I think that was Sledgehammer's game was next. Um, and then... Oh, no, it was Modern Warfare. Yeah, it was when Modern Warfare shipped. And then and then it was going to be um, Sledgehammer in 2020. Uh, about a couple months in, uh, kind of beginning of 2020, um, we were told that Sledgehammer was not going to be heading the project and that actually um, a different studio was going to be heading the project, Raven. Um, and then a couple months later, uh, we were told that it was no longer going to be Raven's game that was shipping that year. Instead, it was going to be Raven slash Treyarch working on a game together. Raven will handle the campaign because they've already done a lot of work on the campaign. And then Treyarch will come in to do everything else, multiplayer and zombies and normal Treyarch stuff. And instead of Treyarch doing 2021, we're going to ship 2020 and it will be a two year cycle for us. Oh, wow. That's always fun. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, so that really switched everything around for us. Yeah, no kidding. So was was this a total change in scope and content for you guys? Like, was it a okay? We've we've got a different date, but we have the right amount of work for that date, or was it just like, oh no, we're just moving this in. You guys got to get this done. Yeah, I think we actually handled it really well on this project because um, we had a whole bunch of big plans. You know, we were going to do we were going to do Blackout 2. We were going to do we were going to do zombies. We we're going to do multiplayer. We were going to do this new thing. Um, and then we were like, OK, well, we can't do that all anymore. Um, we don't have to worry about a campaign, which we weren't. I don't think we were planning on anyways, at least as far as I knew, because Raven's going to handle that. So we were like, all right, we're going to take all of the stuff that we're going to do. And we were kind of already planning on doing this in that, like we get most of the stuff that's going, that we're going to launch with done like a couple months before launch. And then we have like a good amount of post launch content ready before we launch. So that we're like, we don't have to crunch as hard in the post launch seasons to get the season content done. So we took all of that stuff that we were planning and we were like, all right, we'll just space that out along our six post-launch seasons instead. Uh, and that will just make those seasons even better. Um, and we'll be able to handle the workload over the next year. Um, I think, yeah, probably about a year until we shipped. Nice. That makes sense. That's a, that's a pretty good way to go about that. 
yeah, it definitely helped. We did not have to crunch as much on this game, um, <laughs> but uh, it was still it was still a pretty good turnaround for a three year being sh shafted, and now is a two year project. Yeah, I've never worked like I've done. I've worked on a lot of projects, obviously, that have outsourcing and things like that. But I've never worked on like a, a co developed game where two studios are kind of you know, taking major chunks of something and, and putting it together into one thing. How, what was that like? Like, was it, did it feel like, oh, this is compartmentalized as things that they're doing and these are compartmentalized for us? Or was there a lot of overlap and, and kind of collaboration? How, how did it generally structure? As far as like what I had to deal with, mm -hmm. and I think a good majority of anyone who wasn't like, you know, super senior or a lead um, of any manner didn't have to work too much with Raven specifically. They had already mm -hmm. done a ton of work on the campaign um, and anything that they anything that we did was like we create this for the multiplayer and then if they need something that we've created to work in the campaign then it's on them to put it together and make sure that it works that way they can ask us for help but like they're the ones who will have to make sure that like for example i made the land mine i think it's called the proximity mine um i made that for multiplayer and then at some point in the project they wanted to put a different version of that in the campaign and so they like copied all my stuff and then was like hey dallas how do i make it do this kind of thing and i was like oh you just do it like this uh and that was about the extent of like what i had to do with the other uh studio okay that's cool yeah, just I'm always curious with, you know, if it's if it's true co-development, like I could see that being, especially with time zone differences and things like that, I could see that being a bit of a of a problem, you know, or at least right. a difficulty or something that you have to kind of work with and work around. Yeah, I'm sure more more of the lead people and definitely designers like had conversations and did more of it. But uh, for me doing a lot of the, the low level grunt work, I didn't have to worry about too much of it. That's what you like to hear. It's not uh, not yeah. my problem. No. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so as you were working on it, what was what? You know, you you said the crunch wasn't as bad, which is great, obviously. As you're getting toward the end of the project, you know, you you mentioned the first one. It was a little anticlimactic and more of like I can breathe now. As you're getting toward the end of this, what was your kind of overall state of mind like? This was a much better project for me overall. Um, I didn't have to crunch as much like over a long period of time. So I didn't, I wasn't doing six months of 65 hours a week. Um, I did have some like heavier periods. Like I probably crunched all of October leading up to the November 11th release and then a little bit post release too for like the first season of content. Uh, maybe the first two seasons of content. But that crunch was significantly more um that was like that's when i was hitting the like 100 hour Ooh. weeks for a couple you know weeks in a row i think the most i got to was like 115 or something when i was crunching really hard on getting this one feature on probably the most complicated thing i had to work on in that project done um like 
it was like it would it was already past the point when we should have had it done but we kept getting like requests from artists and designers to like make it work these ways so we were like already pushing to get it done way past when it should have been uh and there was just so much extra work to do uh that was that was bad and then there was another one like the week af- i think it was the week after we shipped they were basically like oh this is a feature that we kind of just forgot about that we didn't it was like one of the first things that we ever wanted on this project but we kind of forgot about it and we kind of need it oh uh dallas can you do it like this weekend and i basically like worked like 60 hours from like friday through sunday you know just trying to get like as much of it done as I possibly could to get it uh, out for the patch that we needed it, uh, to get it ready for QA to do it, so that it was ready for the patch that we were going to ship it with, uh, like season one content, I think. Uh, yeah, that was pretty rough. Wow. Um, Did you even leave the office that weekend? Like, Well, <laughs> this was 2020, uh, so <laughs> I was at home. That's I, nice. <laughs> locked away i was just basically at my desk that whole weekend you know that's in that doesn't feel as bad you know like i I also just love being at home and working so in any kind of that kind of thing feels like oh it's at least going to feel a little better if i'm at home but man like that's that's a tremendous amount of work tremendous yeah yeah it was it was a significant amount, but I think all of the crunch that I had to do on this project was made a lot better. Um, as like as you mentioned, you had a partner who's been able to help you with a lot of things. My girlfriend was now living with me, um, and because of the pandemic, she didn't have a job for a good three or so months. And oh, even when she did have a job, it was like part time for a really long time. So she took up a lot of the stuff that was like weighing on me outside of my job to help with that um and just having her around more all the time was like super good for me mentally yeah uh so when the game shipped like it was it was a lot better on me i did a lot better on like eating right and keeping my health good throughout that entire process uh and i was way more motivated because i was actually creating stuff in the game and i could point to things to say i did that i worked on that people are playing with things that i created and i made decisions on that and so i was like just way more invested in the release of the game which made it like a bigger moment for me yeah that's uh i 100 percent get that feel because my favorite part of shipping a game is telling the people I care about what I did I mean, Hey, take a look at this. But then also hearing other people be like, I did this thing and I thought it was cool. You know? And like, whenever you see people comment about that or see videos about it, you're like, Oh yes, that's something that I had a hand in that. That feels really good. Yeah, absolutely. I got a dog trying to leave the room. You got your own camera, buddy. You have to stay. (laughs) So, so as that project is finishing up now, you've been there for about three years at this point, two and a half, three years. Is that right? Yeah. So we shipped at the end of 2020. I started at the beginning of 2018. So just under or just around three years at that point. And that's, you know, that's a pretty significant, uh, you know, pretty significant time, two projects, major studio, 
you know, that, that, that's a lot going on. So where, where was your kind of overall frame of mind now? Were you starting to think about, is there a different place? Is this right for her and I together? You know, like what, you know, what was your state of mind at that point? Yeah. So I knew, I mean, before, after I shipped Black Ops 4, I was like, I'm kind of ready to move on from Treyarch. But then, you know, I got this gameplay position. I was like, okay, that would be good for me to learn gameplay at Treyarch and ship a game like that, especially when it got, you know, oh, it's only going to be a two-year project. And I was like, okay, I'll stick it out past uh, shipping Cold War, at least. And then once that's done, I'll start looking for something else because both my girlfriend and I, absolutely loathe living in LA. It's terrible in so many ways. So we're going to go try and find something else. Uh, I was also sick at this point because I'd been there for three years and I was still considered an associate engineer um, because I got, I got my one promotion from associate to um, full time uh, to full time. And I was on technical design and then I didn't get promoted on technical design. Um, but I actually transitioned from technical design to gameplay engineering, um, about four months before we shipped black ops, cold war. Um, and they said, since they kept me at associate engineer, um, at that level, because they thought that a lot of people were like, Oh, technical design stuff didn't count towards, uh, the engineering experience and stuff. So we want you to stay at associate for now. Um, and your, your time as a contractor didn't really count towards it uh. either. Uh, so I was just kind of getting sick of hearing all of these excuses and sick of being at this place that I didn't feel was valuing me as much. Yeah. And I was just like ready to to find something else and move on past that. Man, that is a very common problem in our industry in that looking at it from a business and a studio perspective, if you have somebody in a role that you want them in and you don't have to promote them to keep them, you're not going to, you know what I mean? Like, like from a business standpoint, why, you know, like it, it's easy to get in a frame of mind of they're fine. They're not going to go anywhere, you know, that kind of thing. And then what that ends up making happen in this industry. And this has been true for me every time is the way you get promoted and the way you make more money is by taking another job. And yep. especially early in your career, but, but pretty much every time. Yeah, yeah, that's a very common sentiment that I hear and has been the same with me as well. And so so then at this point, now you're thinking I'm not valued. I, if I'm really going to start doing what I want and getting what I feel like I'm, you know, deserve and I'm capable of, I'm going to have to look somewhere else. So did, you started a, a general job search at that point. Yeah, so. I knew that I wanted to stay past Black Ops Cold War and mm -hmm. then like kind of close to ship of Black Ops Cold War, Treyarch was preparing for the internship program the following summer. Um, and I was I thought that it'd be a good opportunity to apply to be a manager at, for an intern. And then I ended up getting it, which I was kind of surprised because I was still I was associate engineer and they're like all right well sure you can you can be a manager for an intern and i was like okay well then i will stick around past uh the internship program i will stay a little longer i will go through i will be an intern manager get a good amount of uh manager experience under my belt to just kind of see if that's like what i want to do if i like that um and then i'll also use that time to prepare myself 
to do the job search. I'll look for all these companies. I'll start refreshing my skills on all the things that I haven't used and have kind of forgotten about that I know I'll get asked in engineering interviews because the whiteboard interviews are just a thing that's going to happen and they're going to ask me about big o and sorting algorithms and all sorts of stuff that i never have to use in my job but are in every interview and i don't remember it anymore so i used a good like uh six i think it was from february to august of the following year any time that i wasn't doing work stuff i was preparing uh and searching for what jobs were out there from all the different companies in the US um, and just putting myself in a good position for the job search when I started it in August of 2021. Yeah. In a pandemic, right? So in a pandemic. That that makes a, a big difference, you know. We at the, at this point almost all development had moved, you know, to people's homes and and is still that that case for most of us, I think. Um so what how did that impact your your thought process were you looking at were you framing this around i'm gonna start working somewhere that i'm eventually going to have to move to or want to move to or were you starting to think about i could probably live where i want and it's more about the you know finding the job and then finding where i want to actually live yeah we kind of approached it from two angles in that the thing that my girlfriend cared most about was not living in LA anymore. Yeah. Um, and that was a big thing for me as well as I wanted to live somewhere where we were, were both happy about actually living in a, that location. Um, so we were going to move either way. And then the second angle of it was I actually wanted to move somewhere um, where my job was going to be because I don't want to be remote indefinitely. I don't like working remote from home as much as most people. Um, and I think that's because there are different factors that play into it. One, for me, being junior, I feel like I don't learn as much um, not being in the office with all these people around me. And I just can kind of osmosis a lot of information. Yeah. Um, and then I just genuinely feel like I have a better work-life separation and balance when I actually go into an office. Um, so I had to try and find somewhere where like, I could eventually actually go into the office there as well as you know it's a place that we want to live i i love that because i think understanding yourself is is a big part of that decision right and you know early in my career i would have said the exact same things that you're saying it was really important for me to be around the people i'm working with because i i want to be as good at this as they are right they've, they've shown me their capabilities and i want to to glean as much as of that as I can off of them. And, and, and even coming into the pandemic as, as it started, I have always been convinced that I could not work at home because of the distractions and, you know, that kind of thing. But the best part about this whole pandemic for me was it showed me how cap not only how capable I am of working at home, but how much my quality of life improves for me. Now talk about me personally, right? Because yeah. I, you know, I, I create that separation myself. I, I clock in when I'm ready to start working and I, I turn, you know, I have a separate machine for that. And I don't look at that machine after, you know, my work hours are done. So I, right. I'm able to create that for myself, but I've gotten to the point where I can do that, you know? And, but the benefits for me of like the comfort of, I'm, I, I can wear pajamas all day. You know what I mean? Like, like that, the, right. like just straight comfort. And I have my dogs all the time. 
and like there's just so many like things that I wouldn't have. I don't com- I don't have to commute. That that's all very valuable to me at this point in my career and who I've become. But that's me understanding who I am and what I want. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think there will be a point in my life, in my career, maybe, you know, five, ten years down the line where, like, I want to be in that position. But I know right now I just I need to get into an office. I need to be around other people. And I'm also like I thrive on being around other people in an extroverted type of way. And the more I can get of that um not through zoom calls is 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 better uh so yeah i that's part of what was that's a big part of what was going into my decision on where i wanted to end up at my next job i love it it's great and so where where did you start looking like what were you looking for now that you knew that you kind of wanted those changes yeah i i took a very long systematic approach i said i started in february um i basically made a giant spreadsheet of every company in the united states that wasn't located in california wasn't located in new york and wasn't located in florida um and then i like ranked them based off of if i would like to work for this company like how why would i like to work for this company like do they make really big interesting games that i like are they um doing interesting things with their company that i enjoy just like why do i like about this company and compare them to everyone else and then when i actually got to the point in august when i was like all right i feel like i've studied enough my the internship program is over I'm going to start applying for things. I just went through like, what are the top companies in the top places that we want to live? And do they have a job open for a mid-level gameplay engineer? Um, And if they do, I'll apply to it. So I just started applying to uh, whatever places were, I I kind of spaced it out. I wanted to do, because you know, this is like a bunch of different places. And if I find a place somewhere, my girlfriend now has to try and find a job there as well. So we kind of were like, I'm going to try for the best companies in the best place, which happened to be, uh, we were really excited about looking at Seattle in Washington because there's a lot of game companies there and it would be probably where we'd want to live the most. So I just like was like, what are my favorite companies in Seattle? And I'll just apply to them, wait a couple weeks to see if anything happens before I start applying to other places too. Interesting. Yeah, that's a man. That's an extra layer that uh, I I never had to to consider is, you know, if I'm going to move somewhere, what is, you know, a significant other going to also do when they get there? Because, you know, when I was going through my career with my ex-wife and son, you know, she didn't work. You know, she was a mother, so it was easy to kind of make that move. And she was super supportive and that was super great. Uh, but man, like that's, uh, that's, that's a lot, you know, that, that, that's a lot to consider, especially with this industry and how limiting it could be, you know, before now, when you kind of had to be in particular places, um, man, that's, that, that had to be a, a kind of a lot on your mind. And it sounds like a lot of process to, to figure that out. Yes. Yeah, it was, especially because she was kind of in a position where she like, wasn't too sure about what realm of chemical engineering that she wanted to do. Like, there's a lot of different things you can do with that. You can go into like a makeup industry, you can go make fake meat like like beyond or impossible, (laughs) or you can go treat water or you can do 
oil and gas stuff. So like it was like also trying to like blend like her trying to figure that stuff out. Um, but mostly like focusing on okay, what do I get that's really good somewhere where we want to be. And then she can kind of like lean into that once we've found something that I'm like super excited about. And we're both excited about living in that place. Nice. Now, I think you know me well enough to know that I, I'm a firm believer that networking is a big part of finding the jobs that you want in this industry. Was there any of that element for you or was it straight up just like, I'm, I'm just looking at all the places and these places I want to be and I'm reaching out to them. See, this is, we talked about this last time where I made quite a few mistakes on getting into my first job. And then I think I also made a bunch of mistakes about how I treated the beginning few years of my career to help prepare me for this point when I'm looking for other jobs in that I didn't do a lot of networking. I like even within Treyarch for the first year and a half, I was like on a team that was already siloed off from the rest of the team and then within that team i was like siloed off from them and i didn't really go out and like talk to a bunch of people for a really long time so like i didn't start like making friends until i was i don't know a year and a half maybe no probably like two and a half ish years in where i was like kind of starting to meet people and network with them and then i kind of started 2021 that year i was looking for new jobs of like doing networking things outside of my job i'd never even been to gdc i went to gdc for the first time in 2021 so like i was trying to network i just wasn't finding a lot of like stuff that was going to uh not a lot of stuff that ended up helping me get into a job somewhere else all right now that's uh that's interesting i I do find it a little fascinating that you as someone who who says you're an extrovert that it, it kind of took you that long to do that like what was what what was happening there I just I have a thing about networking where anytime I go to a networking event it feels not fake isn't exactly the right word and not for everyone else. It's like a purely thing for me is that I, when I talk to someone and I know I'm networking, um, if they happen to be someone that like, Oh, they're working at a company I want to work at my brain, like subconsciously does the thing where it's like, maybe I should try talking to them and be friends with them so that they can help get me a job. And as soon as I hit that, where like, I'm no longer talking to this person just to talk to them as a friend or something yeah i i feel awful i feel weird i feel gross i like i don't i like shut off and don't want to do that anymore and so like networking has never been something that i've enjoyed because i just have a hard time of getting through that feeling and it's just it's weird for me yeah you know it, it we've even got a question in the chat about tips for uh, networking as an introvert right i think I, I give the same advice to both, which is, you know, and, and, and I, when you get to the point like you're talking about where you've got in your own head about it, that's tough, right? Like that's kind of hard to break out of. So I think the way to not get there at all is to just think about making friends, right? Like the whole, all that networking is, is just getting to know people. And it's really just like, hey, man, what have you been playing lately? And that's that's the thing that I always tell people in our industry to start a conversation with is ask somebody what they've been playing. Everybody is either playing something, has played something recently, or there's something on their mind that they want to play, and they're ready to talk about it, right? 
And so then you quickly get a little insight into that person that you can then start to build a conversation off of. And even if you know, like you said, that, hey, this is somebody that works at a place I want to work at. And, you know, like any all that stuff can be very, very kind of mentally uh, restraining. You know, like it, it, you want to focus your thought into that. But just like it, it doesn't matter. Like the, like it's it's really just about, hey, who are you? Who am I? What do we have in common? Do we connect at all? Like, you know, and it, if not cool, I'll move on. But if so, you might actually make a friend out of this, first of all, which should really be the way you're thinking about it. And then down the road, if something comes up and you're a fit for it, there's a chance they'll think of you. Like you don't necessarily even have to do anything. Right. Yeah. I think I also had a hard part trying to figure out networking. Like once my first like year in the industry, year and a half or so in the industry, I was like, just kind of like, oh, I'm, I'm in, I'm, I'm in the industry. I'm not really worried about networking because I'm just worried on like doing well in my job and getting through that. And if I, if I want to meet more people, I'll just talk to the other people I haven't met at Treyarch yet, but I just didn't, I didn't do that. Uh, it didn't help that I was crunching, you know, so many hours per week yeah. and being at work was just kind of like not traumatizing isn't exactly the word but like it just wasn't like exactly the best frame of mind being yeah. there uh but then we got into the the next hardest part which was the pandemic uh and then it was like how do i even network with people during a pandemic like i can't go to events i want to go to gdc but that's not a thing anymore right. e3 is not a thing um and i didn't really learn about uh virtual networking events for a really long time. It actually wasn't until 2021 when I was starting to look for a job that I was like, all right, I've heard Full Sail's doing, you know, some alumni networking stuff. I've heard of this thing called Gig, which is like a, a game industry get together kind of networking thing that happens. These are happening like every week. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to go to them. I, I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to go. If I feel weird and awful, fine, whatever. And then like over time, as it happened, it just got easier. Yeah. Like I was like, oh, okay. A lot of other people are kind of doing the same thing as I am here. We're all here for similar reasons and I'm more comfortable with it because I've done it more often. Uh, and I, you know, I, I, I done, I did like, I don't know, something two a week for three or four months in a row during 2021. And at, at that point I was like, oh, I'm super comfortable with doing this stuff all the time. And and then once I kind of hit that, like, oh, it clicks moment, I feel a lot better about it. But it took me a long time to get there. Yeah, that that's really important. I, I think understanding what can make you as comfortable as possible possible in those situations is, is really good to know, right? Because I'm someone who, if I have at least one person that I can talk to that I know, I can go anywhere, right? Because then I know I've got that safety person that that I can you know if worst case we just sit in a corner and talk to each other right and and for me that's the kind of thing that allows me to to get where I need to go to then open up and and do all those other things that I need to do um so identifying those kind of things can be really helpful because you're like hey even if you don't know somebody very well you coworker hey man you want to go do this thing with me or you know like those kind of things can happen to make it a little bit you know a little bit easier to get in but that that repetitiveness and that learning each time that you do it, that you're getting a little more comfortable is super important. And there's small wins that keeps encouraging you to keep on doing it. Right. Yeah. And it's not like every single time you do something, it's going to be good. You know, right. I've had plenty <laughs> of events where I've gone and it's like, well, that felt like 
a wash for the right. most part. I didn't really talk much. I didn't really meet anyone. Uh, it just didn't feel like a great use of my time. But then there are other times where it's like, wow, I had a really great time talking to all these people. And it was just super cool. And like getting past that initial hurdle just always seems like the hardest thing of like, oh, I, I've got to go to this networking event and I don't really feel like it. But then I go and I'm like, OK, all right. It wasn't the worst thing in the world. I'm still alive, yeah. you know, uh, I can do this more times. Yeah, I, I think the 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 frame of the right frame of mind to get into for anything that you need to do that takes time that you are nervous about or don't want to do or nerve you know or or you know or having difficulty kind of getting yourself into is understanding that the effort is valuable, right? So going to that thing the first time, even if it's not productive, you need to give yourself a check because you did the thing. Yeah. Right. And the more you do the thing, the more productive it will be and the more comfortable you will get. And it's it's literally about just the effort and doing it and not thinking about what am I going to get out of this, which is the frame of mind you should have in networking in general. Never should it be what can I get out of this? Because if that's your thought, that comes across and people see that and it doesn't feel great. Right. And yeah, another, yeah. another thing I want to touch on real quick that you were talking about with uh, kind of networking with your coworkers is that's something you have to be really careful about when you're meeting people and trying to network and get to know people in a stressful situation, because what you do not want is you to connect on bitching about your current work situation, right? Cause that, that can turn into a really bad way to, to, you know, like it can look negatively on you. Like, Oh, I'm getting to know this guy and all we're doing is bitching about work, right? Like you don't really want to get into that kind of cycle and that, that can be, a difficult thing to see is happening and you want to make sure you're kind of avoiding that kind of thing, you know, as a, as a habit. Right. Right. Absolutely. I haven't had to have to deal with that, but that's a great point. Yeah. You don't seem like a negative person to me. So, <laughs> but I mean, I try not to be but when you're working 115 hours a week, sometimes it's probably, you know, hard not to be a little negative about what's going on. So, yeah, no, I mean, it comes up. It's kind of part of the job being critical of things. And, you know, sometimes criticism is seen as negativity, but yeah, try to put a positive spin on it. That's, That's how true. you're going to last. <laughs> that, that is a tough one. It's And there's also the right time to criticize things and, and ways to do that effectively, too. People have to be ready to hear it as much as you have to be ready to present it in the right way. Like there's a, there's a lot of work that goes into doing that effectively. Wow, yeah. I don't I've heard people say that before, but I don't think that's something that I've thought about myself so much when I'm actually in a position where I'm giving criticism. So I think I'm gonna have to try to be more mindful about that. That's a good point. Good. That's awesome. <laughs> I, in this industry, if we're not constantly learning, I think we're failing. So <laughs> right, hey, can... you kinda have to be to yeah. keep up with anything. <laughs> that is also true. All right, we got a question in the chat I want to look at here real quick. It says, on an earlier note of looking around at multiple cities for jobs, any advice on how to graciously or respectively balance and evaluate your opportunities while you're interviewing or being offered positions in tandem? This is a tough one. So basically, I'm interviewing around. I've got a couple of people that I'm interviewing with. What do I do when I get an offer from one place and, you know, I'm still interviewing somewhere else? Have you stepped into that situation yet? I I had this actually, uh, we talked about it a little bit 
um, with my very first job and that I was offered a position from Proactive and I was still within the final um, steps of waiting for a response from Treyarch oh, that's right. um, yeah. for the first time. And I basically... I, I had I had a really hard time with it because I told Proactive I need some time to wait for Treyarch and they said that we'll give you this amount of time and that wasn't like enough. Uh, Treyarch still wasn't getting back to me. So then I I had to make that decision of, all right, I will take the Proactive job. If Treyarch gets back to me, then I will quit yeah. Proactive and then I will go to Treyarch. Um, and I didn't have to make that particular decision, but like, that's what I had to do. Um, I, like, honestly, the best that you, I think you can do in any of those situations, it might be naive of me to say this, but I think honesty is like the best way to go about it. Yeah. Because if you end up with someone who, um, takes advantage of the honesty of you saying, Hey, I've got this other position I'm interested in. And they take advantage of that you probably don't want to work there anyways yeah yeah and and uh ashley in the chat said we just went through the same thing and actually we talked about that when that was happening and, you know and i i went through that when i was interviewing and, and ultimately accept the job at, at insomniac and i think i think the biggest thing to in that case is if you're interviewing at a company they probably at least think you might be interviewing at other places, right? Like we, if you're looking for a job, you're looking for a job. You're not just like, oh, this is the one thing that I want to do. Sometimes that's the case, but there's a decent chance that you're, you know, trying to figure out what the right place is for you, you know, that kind of thing. I think ultimately, honesty, 100% agree with you. Uh, I don't think you have to necessarily be upfront and be like, hey guys, as we go through this process, just know that I'm interviewing somewhere else, right? I don't think you need to do that right. as much as when it gets down to the point where you're like, have an offer, waiting for an offer. I think it's perfectly reasonable to say, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to decide from this, but I'm also trying to see if this other thing is the right fit for me too, right? Because ultimately you are trying to figure out what's best for you. And, you know, so it has to be a two-way street in some ways. Sometimes they can't wait. Sometimes they'll put pressure on you, those kind of things. Uh, but that, but that's because they want you there, right? Like they they want you to to come work with them and and fill a hole that they that they feel like you're a good fit for. And so it's hard to begrudge them to be like, yeah, I understand you want me to to take this and come there. I would also like to do that, but I I have to know if this other thing is is a better fit for me. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and you know I. <laughs> it's it's tough and and in my personal in this situation i was going through a couple of different interviews at the same time they kind of lined up pretty they were pretty even in the process and i was a little further along with insomniac and eventually i had to just tell another company i was like you know what i think i think this other thing is is going to be better for me and so I, I kind of hedged my bet and luckily it worked out you know like it ended up being i I had to go with my gut, you know, like sometimes you got to go with what feels right. And ultimately that's, that's what ended up working out for me. Right. I am, I am a little curious. I don't know if you're okay with saying, I, what was the other place that you were interviewing with? Uh, I was talking with Arcane. Oh, uh, okay. Sure. And uh, so it was, and I hadn't gotten, I was a little behind in the process there. Like I was further along with Insomniac and, you know, for me, it was when I was looking, I, I had a couple of criteria, like one, I wanted to make sure that I could still live in Orlando and I wanted to be fully remote. Um, you know, but my, 
I wanted to make sure that if I wanted to be able to stay here as long as I wanted to, at the very least. Right. Uh, and then I also wanted to work with people that I knew and I had pretty close friends at both places. And that, that right. was important to me and I want to work on cool shit, you know, and, and that was also the case for both companies. So, you know, it was, uh, there was a lot of similarities there, but in the end, I'm certain that what I have, you know, this, I absolutely adore working at Insomniac and I I don't, I don't have any regrets about that decision. So luckily my gut was right, you know, and, but you never know, like you never know those kind of things and you gotta sometimes just kind of hope for the best, hope that, that you're, you're kind of going in the right direction. Yeah. 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 There's actually, there's a lot of, I've noticed within the past year, there's a lot of full sale grads going to, insomniac i have nothing to do with that i promise <laughs> what you're not networking and helping them or anything 100 percent, man like why wouldn't i want to bring people to work in an amazing place with me again right you know like it's or for the first time and uh we have three hall of famers at insomniac now between me and sean mccabe and aaron eberhardt so yep. it's uh it's it's wild that people that you know sean and i have talked for decades now about work we've known each other since school over 20 years ago and it was always a Sunday we'll work together but it was you know I never I always thought it'd be like maybe we'll do a side project together or something like that I never really thought oh we'll literally just day-to-day work together right and then and then once you get to a place that you really love and you see positions and you're like hey man like you and I other person that has been a friend for a long time you know this this looks like a good spot for you too like would you like to come work at amazing company with me that that's that and that's the networking part you know when i talked about i think of others now when i see roles i'm like oh man who do i know that would be good for this because i would love to have someone come work that i've always wanted to work with have always respected you know it's not it's not anything other than that for me where i'm like i would love to make that happen right right i think that's what a lot of people kind of think is like paying it forward you know yeah. someone always helps someone helped you at some point you know it's it's super hard to get in this industry. Someone probably took a chance on you at some point. So right. yeah, helping others in, in whatever ways you can. I, I get it. All right. Before we before we run out of time, we got we got a, about twenty minutes left. I need to hear about what you're doing now. So you you went through this process, you ended up what what was kind of the the accepting this position with probably monsters? How did that kind of come about? Yeah, I so I had applied um, I didn't, I didn't get any, anything through networking or anything. This was like just a straight, I applied to a job posting. I did the normal interview process, uh, and I got it. I had applied to a couple other places too. Like, um, I'd applied to sucker punch was actually the first place I applied. They rejected me like the very next day immediately, which was, you know, <laughs> all right, at least they let me know right. <laughs> as soon as possible. Right. <laughs> Um, I had applied to a couple other places. Uh, I'd applied to Naughty Dog, um, who's in LA, but I was considering living somewhere else and working remote if it was going to be working at Naughty Dog. Um, but they, after I'd gone through a little bit of talking to them, they told me that they wouldn't, um, they wouldn't be doing remote. So I shut down that process. Um, I also talked a little bit to Bethesda. Um, cause I was interested with Bethesda, but then they weren't doing, um, they weren't doing, uh, I had applied to multiple positions just to kind of see what was happening. Mm-hmm. Um, but I got a position with them in 
Austin, or I didn't get a position. I got, I started interviews with them in, with their Austin studio. I think it was the Austin one. Um, and by that time, I kind of decided that Texas was no longer a good place for me or my girlfriend to live in, um, just because of a lot of things yeah. that are happening in Texas. Yeah. So we kind of like shut that down because um, they had if they had taken a bit to get back to me. They'd taken like maybe a month to get back to me. And like between that time of applying it was like, all right, well, I don't really want to be there anymore. Um, but then I I had applied to this was like maybe the third tier studios like i, I might like here's the top studios i want to go for here's the next list of studios and then here's another list of studios i think it was either in the second or third tier there was this studio probably monsters hadn't released anything um but they were relatively big triple a and i was like okay i'm i'm interested in a bigger studio because it will be good for some kind of um structure for growth for me i think um and there's a decent amount of hype i guess is a way to put it behind the studio um and that like oh the ceo of bungie's there and they're they're hiring a bunch of people for firewalk and it's a bunch of good people and um sony announced a partnership with firewalk and so i was like okay i'm kind of interested in that um and then i looked at their page and it was like wow i really like the focus that they're putting on the employees they say they're people first they say their culture first um they've they like lay out a lot of really good interesting things on their website about benefits and all of this great stuff about working there um that seem different than like others i i looked at 500 studios websites at this point like i had kind of an idea of what different studios did and like what what appealed to me so i was like all right this place seems kind of good and i I sent in my application, did some interviews, uh, and eventually was offered a position there after, after I think six, yeah, I think it was six interviews. No, like, coding test was sent to me. I did do a couple whiteboard interviews, but, uh, it was, it wasn't too bad. Ugh. I've had worse. Coding <laughs> tests suck, man. Like, <laughs> it's so funny, like, all of us who make games or, or or do any kind of programming at all know that coming up with simple things off the top of your head is not how we do it, right? Like, we constantly look things up. We refresh ourselves. We research. It's, I don't know. It, it's like taking a test in high school. What did that really, really show about what you, you crammed for the test and then you got it and you're fine? Like, it's not really a day-to-day -day workflow thing. Right. Right, and that's actually one of the things I really liked about probably Monsters, because um, like I was kind of interested in them when I applied, and then you know, like I went through the interviews because at, at the very least, good interview practice, even if I ended up not liking the place, but at almost every single turn of the interview process, they did something that I wasn't expecting from a company that felt like it was in my favor, uh, and it really felt like they were thinking about the interviewee. And really? what they what that process was like for them. Um, and because of that, like because of that and then um, the hiring manager who would end up being my manager, just like the personality that that person had and how much he seemed invested in me and my growth as an employee. Um, 
along with the fact that they gave me they offered me more money than like my highest pie in the sky thing that i had told them when they asked me what would i oh, like for compensation they were like all right well how about more than that i was like okay <laughs> all right <Yes. laughs> that's that's the dream right <laughs> yeah <laughs> i love that so uh obviously you can't talk about what what you're working on yet as it's unannounced but i, I before we get to that I have several former coworkers that work at that company. So the fact that those people are there says a lot to the company about me and, and or about the company to me. And, right. and it sounds really like I'm excited for what's happening over there and, and really optimistic. Um, so what, like I, like I said, you, you're coming in as an incubation engineer, right? That's your title. Yes. And what does that role encompass? Obviously, since you can't obviously say what you're working on. Right. So incubation engineer means that I am working on an incubation project, which is basically just like a project that's in very early prototype phase. Um, incubation is kind of a term that um, is used. It's used often at uh, Bungie, which a lot of people from Bungie work here because the CEO of Bungie is the one who created probably monsters. Um, but I think it's also like a uh, like a funding seed round kind of concept of incubation is like mm -hmm. you're doing this to hopefully end up getting money from like uh, investors and stuff. Um, I think that's where like the term kind of comes from. But yeah, it means I'm an incubation engineer. I basically do anything that's needed on the project i'm on a pretty small team we're around 10 people ish um and i do whatever engineering stuff is needed of me i try to, they let me focus kind of on gameplay ish stuff because i like to but uh whatever whatever's needed at any point engineering wise okay and now if that project you're working on becomes something that moves into full production would you stay an incubation engineer and move on to something different? I, I'm. It's interesting because I feel like what you're talking about is a role that an engineer would have at the beginning of any project potentially. So is that role something that kind of stays in that frame of mind and, and part of a development? Right. I think the, the idea of going with incubation engineer as the title is that um, you're you're setting the expectation that you're not going to be specifically working in one area like okay. UI or graphics or something like that. It's kind of like a you will be able to do whatever when the project actually gets to, you know, full production, pre-production phase and stuff like that. Um, my title will change based off of, you know, like what team I'm on, what I'm doing, what I'm interested in. And, I, and I'm pretty sure it'll just change to be gameplay engineer, same mid level, uh, but just a different um, modifier, I guess. Gotcha. So do you also have like a studio title or like, so for instance, uh, at Volition, I was a principal designer but on a project, I would be a design director or a lead designer, those kind of things. Is this a project role or is this your overall title and it just happens to be where you're kind of slotted in at the moment? Just curious. It's my overall role, okay. yeah. yeah. Gotcha. Okay, interesting. So so you did, did you relocate already? I did. I re relocated about, uh, about a month after starting. And this is Seattle area? Yes, yeah. Yeah, Bellevue, gotcha. east side. For some reason, my microphone turned itself down. That's weird. Anyway, sorry about that. Uh, okay, so I I love that area. I, I've always wanted to, like Pacific Northwest is kind of a dream destination for me. 
someday someday i'll get up there uh yeah yeah i i really like it actually um and i have a friend who moved up at the same time as me he's actually uh, he's the one that i talked about a bit last time as like i crashed on his uh couch when i went to work at proactive because he got me that job at proactive and stuff and like now he's coming out here too doing uh vr ar xr stuff uh so it just it worked out interesting that like oh i also have a friend out there that you know i can hang out with that i haven't seen for years because he's been in florida so yeah it's great it's been great that it that is awesome that man that makes it so much easier knowing you have someone even just one person that you like i mentioned going to you know these events by yourself like you know you've got that ride or die you know like hey let's go do this thing together that that makes a big difference yeah absolutely all right we got about 10 ish minutes left what what else do you want to make sure we cover is there anything else about your current job or role that you want to make sure we talk about anything you're doing on the side or or anything that you want people to know about Actually, I have questions for you, Jason. Oh, no. All right. What's up? (laughs) It's your turn. Oh, boy. All right. Let me pull them up. (laughs) Okay. My first question. If you could do uh, any discipline in game development other than design and other than you did a bunch of esports stuff. Mm -hmm. um, So no no esports related things. No design related things. Yeah what would you what would you be interested in doing uh do i have to be good at it or is this you can assume that you would be good at it just as much as you would at your current design role all right i okay man this is there i, I kind of have two answers to this um sure. when i think about where i want my career to go eventually i i would like to eventually move into a role where i'm a like someone who's facilitating designers and their careers, you know, like helping people develop and using my, my expertise to basically be someone who helps people get better at their job as a designer. Right. So like basically how how do you want to, you're, you're a junior designer. You want to become mid-level. These are the things, the skills you need to to develop. And I mentor them, whether that's I'm their manager, whatever that is, some kind of role where it's mainly mentorship, right? I love mentorship. Right. So if I could find some role where I'm doing that, uh, I want to be a teacher at a game studio. Yeah, that, that's it. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Right, that's right. <laughs> uh, but if I'm just picking like a whole other skill, I think, man, I think I would want to focus on accessibility. I, I, I'm, I'm becoming such an advocate for it. And as I see the industry moving into finally you know, really making it an important thing and thinking about all the different kinds of disabilities and things that are out there. Like we talked about, you know, colorblindness earlier and the, that I deal with. And I know what that on a mild scale is like, you know, compa- compared to what other people deal with. I would love to be someone who can help make sure that the games that I work on are accessible to as many people as possible. Right, right. That's a good one. Yeah. Yeah, especially because a lot of people get into games because they want like they want people to play their games and they want right. as many people to play their games. And uh, that's like one of the the best ways to go about it is making sure people who normally can't play your games can. Now, I love it. It's a good one. All right. Next up, you uh, you've talked about a little bit. We've got Hall of Fame coming up mm. and uh, also GDC's somewhat close to. 
I would love to hear an interesting story you have from one of the times that you've attended either <laughs> of those events. All right. The the first the first GDC story that comes to mind for me is the first one. No, second one that I went to. The first one I went to was as a student at Full Sail. I wrote an essay, won a trip, got to go out as a student, experienced GDC. That was super cool. Oh, that sounds awesome. Yeah, it was it was really, really great. Uh, but the second time was actually the following year at my very first company. Uh, I went to work at a company called Emusement. It was a startup that was founded by people from Verant that worked on EverQuest. They started up a new company to make a, a new MMO. And uh, I went... Uh, I joined that company as a, as an entry level designer and I was only there for like a month before GDC happened and they took the entire company. They bought us all, you know, they put us in hotels, gave us full ride passes the whole nine. And I was absolutely on cloud nine. And I was also with a small group of people that had been in the industry for quite a while. So they had a lot of connections and I was just like tagging along, trying to learn here. I am 23 years old, I think at the time. Just like wide-eyed, trying to figure out what's going on in this industry. This is when I learned how much alcohol is involved in networking, <laughs> just in general. Because uh, we'd spend all day, and then at night, uh, you know, we would go out and meet people. It was hotel, hotel lobbies, you know, that kind of thing. And on the first night, I drank more than I should have. And I remember meeting random people and, you know, like getting to know people, that kind of thing. I don't remember the end of the night. Okay. So like it was, it was a great night meeting a lot of people. The last part of it was a wash. What ended up happening out of that though, was I had a stack of business cards of people that I met. And when I, when that company shut down, I started emailing every business card that I had and just being like, Hey, it was nice meeting you. Even if I didn't remember meeting you, I didn't say that. <laughs> and you know, like, Hey, I'm, you know, I'm out of work looking for a job. And one of the guys that, uh, I emailed, remembered me, remembered our interaction. He's like, man, yeah, totally. I've got a position open, come up and, and interview for it. And I just drove up and interviewed and that's how I got my second job in the industry. Wow. From an interaction <laughs> I don't even remember. <laughs> well, it really worked out for you. It then. sure did. <laughs> Good thing I'm a happy drunk, right? <laughs> man, yeah, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> Uh, and that really worked out for that person business card you know right Some people feel like business cards don't mean anything just throw them right in the trash but all right that's yeah. a demonstrable example of it actually <laughs> resulting in something <laughs> it seems to be the stream theme alcohol <laughs> i mean it all is right. a big part of it we're not going to deny that yeah yep no i guess not surprised that Game dev with a shot of Jameson and right. is interested in alcohol. <laughs> that is correct. <laughs> All right. Next question. Oh, man. I want to know the hardest or one of the hardest uh, design problems that you've ever had to face throughout your entire career. Oh, boy. <clears throat> uh, okay. You know, um, <clears throat> the... I'm trying, I know the answer. I'm trying to think of how to frame the answer. So sure. as Take someone, yeah, as someone who did a lot of level design, uh, you know, with, uh, stranger's wrath and then, you know, the Simpsons game, 
Godfather, all this stuff. I did a lot of, you know, there's a lot of techniques that we, we use in level design. Simple things like, you know, we spawn enemies around the corner behind a building. Right. Uh, so because, you know, they're out of sight, those kind of things. When I went to work at Volition, um, the destruction tech was the the big thing that, that was intriguing to me. And because, you know, real life physics, everything is destructible. I hadn't had that kind of challenge before. <clears throat> what I did not know or what I did not realize going into that job was that those kind of things that I had used in the past were no longer an option. Because when you are in a world where the player can destroy every man-made thing around, where are you going to spawn enemies from? Right. And like, just as a simple example... And, and on Red Faction Guerrilla, they had done things like we, the only thing we, the only way we can ever be sure is you're not looking at an enemy as if they're behind you and you don't want to spawn enemies behind someone. Yeah. Right. So we had to come up with creative solutions on how to like, you know, get the kind of encounters that we wanted while also making sure that we weren't seeing these kind of bugs with enemies, you know, popping into the, into the scenes. So that took, that took a lot of a lot of figuring out and we did a lot of things like we, we made the rule that, you know, man-made stuff could be destroyed, but <clears throat> you know, natural elements like cave walls, ground, things like that uh, would not be right. destructible. So we could make, you know, monster closets out of things like that. Um, so it was a whole lot of like, I was con like, I had to go into every space and delete all of the buildings, you know, from my mind or hide them and be like, okay, how am I going to build an encounter? If, if they were to launch a nuke essentially into this place before they walk into it, what is that experience going to be like? And that was a very limiting and very kind of thought provoking and constantly throughout the development of that game. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I know a lot of people, you know, mm -hmm. say constraints breed creativity. And mm -hmm. that's kind of an interesting like it's you're no longer constrained in that. Yeah. Oh, you can destroy anything in the world. But now your design space and how you have to think about things is now constrained because you can't use tricks that you've had to use before. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, I had to had to really kind of reframe my thought process for that game. Nice. All right. Last question. All right. Uh, I want to know what your favorite part about your newish job at Insomniac is only one. I just got to give you one. You know, <laughs> well, you can give me as many as you want. I guess uh, you, you, we've got six minutes. All right, For, like let, let's gloss over the super cool stuff. Lifelong Spider-Man fan, and like literally been my favorite superhero my entire life, and I'm working on a Spider-Man game. Not nice. and not just a Spider-Man game, but a game that it is a like a sequel to really good, like it, it's a really good series. You know what I mean? Like right. it's, it's something that I, I will be super proud of saying, Hey, I worked on this. That, that, yeah. that's huge for me. Um, open world development, which is something I got a lot of experience in. So like I'm comfortable in, in the work that I'm doing, which is, which is awesome. The, the tools are super great. So I get to, you know, I'm comfortable working in those. Right. So that's, that's the easy stuff, right? Sure. Ultimately though, the truth is Insomniac is just a fantastic place to work for because they care a lot about diversity and work-life balance. Like all the time we are, we're like, we, we even had moments where people will need to take some time off. And in the past, when I've worked at places, I've seen things like, Oh yeah, well let's finish this milestone. Then you can deal with that thing, right? We've got stuff on the table. We got to take care of. Let's right. let's get that you know that, that little bit of of 
passive aggressive guilt, you know, like those kind of things would happen throughout the industry a lot. It's because, you know, we're all like, we've got to get this done. We planned for it. We got to figure it out. But the general attitude and, you know, demeanor is more of like, what do you, right? Like, you know, if you need to take some time off, you take the time off. No one makes you feel guilty for anything like that. And not, and not only that, it's encouraged. Like people are like, you need to use your PTO. Like you, like you, we have people that are capable of, of stepping in and doing the thing that needs to get done in the time that you're not there. Right. That's, that's really, really encouraging. And just like makes me feel, um, appreciated in a way that, that I haven't quite felt anywhere else and respected and understood. And just like, it just, it feels real nice. Yeah, that's awesome. That's actually that's one of the things that I feel like is uh is very similar about probably monsters is that's they awesome. have a very very similar vibe in that like take your time and you're encouraged to take it and it's it's even built into the to the way that they have time off and that um you can accumulate some but only so much carries over to the next year so they encourage you to like take it during the year so that you know it it stays with you but they still give you a ton even even on top of that so yeah that's awesome love to hear it yeah and and that that's all awesome and then the also the it's not oh you're gonna have to work double time when you come back to finish up what you did it's like oh no we we plan for it you know like if if someone needs to take some of that work or we need to move something into another milestone or we need to make cuts whatever like we we build with all of knowing that people are going to take their time off as they should so many times in the past it's just made to feel guilty for it and that's that's not healthy you know yeah yeah nice sounds like they're doing pretty good over there then i'm I'm really digging it man really really digging it absolutely well, all well, right it's been uh it's been a pleasure jameson yeah i i'm really glad we got to do this again i uh I would love to, once you can say what you're working on, I think it'd be cool to, to, to jump on here again and talk about, you know, whatever that game is. And hopefully there's some kind of announce at some point and we can talk about a trailer, whatever that is, right? Like I, I literally have zero idea what you're working on. So, but at some point you'll be able to talk about it and I'd love for you to come do that here. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I'm not coming to hall of fame this year, but, uh, Maybe some of these other years I'll, I'll I'll make it out there when it's a little bit uh, less pandemic-y out yeah, there. I, I hear you, I, and I don't blame you. So, yeah. <laughs> but no, well, definitely. And, uh, and I'm hoping that I'll get out to the Pacific Northwest in the next year or two as well, so hopefully we can meet up when that happens. Yeah, yeah, if you're out here, let me know. Absolutely. All right, but I'm going to jump off here and say my goodbyes. Thank you again for joining us again. This has been an absolutely Thank great you. conversation. And uh, we will find an opportunity to do this again soon. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Jameson. Have a nice night. You too. Talk to you soon. Thank you for listening. And don't forget, you can join us live every Wednesday night at 7 p.m. Eastern at twitch.tv forward slash Jameson Doral. Every Tuesday, I'll have a new podcast episode ready for you. Be sure to follow me on all of my social media using the links in the show notes and join the Dev Team Discord to be a part of the conversation anytime. We'll see you soon.